Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. I think uh, dinosaurs are certainly very popular among um, uh, children. And uh, I know my grandchildren are very proud of uh, little T-shirts and trousers that might have a little dinosaur motif on them of some uh, kind or another. And um, at one of the uh, playgroups I take the children to, they have lots of uh, little sort of toy dinosaurs. But dinosaurs are actually powerful evidence for the uh, global flood. And um, it's interesting the enormity of some of the um, graveyards, fossilised graveyards of dinosaurs are, are huge. Um, there was a, a book written oh, some, some years ago now uh, called Digging Dinosaurs. Um, it was by uh, J.R. Horner and J. Gorman, um, and it was uh, published back in 1988. But um, he did a, um, a lot of um, early, early work in, in that area, but he, he talks about, for example, one bone bed about 100 kilometres uh, west of Great Falls in uh, Montana, contains over 10,000 dinosaur remains, all of the same species. It's interesting that um, he points out this was no ordinary spring flood from one of the streams in the area, but a catastrophic inundation. And so these massive beds um, are huge um, uh, pieces of, of evidence, really, for the the global flood. The other, the other thing is not only do we find the, uh, you know, the fossilised remains themselves of, the, uh, of dinosaurs, such as in the Morrison Formation, which you know, stretches from New Mexico to Canada and, and so forth, but also we find, um, uh, for example, in certain areas we can find hundreds of thousands of tracks um, and there's a, 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 another location in um, the northeast uh, Bighorn Basin of central north Wyoming um, where, um, again, hundreds of thousands of tracks uh, were made and they were made on, it's interesting, marine limestone. Uh, again, uh, this was uh, reported in... Um, the uh, journal uh, uh, Paleos um, back in 2001 uh, by E.P. Cavail uh, and others. Uh, the title of the article is Middle Jurassic uh, Dinosaur Megatrack Sites, Big Hall Basin, Wyoming, USA. And these um, tracks, again, um, one of the characteristics is that the, the tracks are in a straight line, whereas normally uh, animals, if they're just wandering around, you know, the, the tracks will, will vary. But these tracks are in um, a straight line. And so they're obvious that the, the animals are fleeing from a flood-type um, uh, situation. Um, one of the things, too, in a, an interesting article that I was reading um, about the, um, 
the flood. Though I hadn't actually thought of before is that while the, the water level was rising and according to the flood account, the, the, it peaked about 150 days after the initial flood. So we often think, you know, rain 40 days, 40 nights. But obviously there were other groundwater rises, um, the, the land, were, the, the earth underwent a catastrophic event. Um, we know subsequently, for example, because we find fossils of marine creatures, say up on the Himalaya mountain ranges, um, uh, like on you know Mount Everest, these sort of places in the European Alps, we find the remains of marine fossils that have been buried there. Obviously, those mountains have been pushed up after those events. So there was a lot of uh, surface activity, movement of the plates and this sort of thing. But also there would have been the tidal influences as well of water levels going up and down. And, of course, uh, dinosaurs that could swim would survive for a while and then come into some shallow water um, and um, and leave tracks. Of course, there's also cases where they find um, eggs that have been uh, dinosaur eggs and that that have been laid on these boundaries and and sometimes the um, you know secularists can argue you know well how could it be a flood condition but that's uh, interesting that where these eggs are found um, from the reports I've read it doesn't seem to be any evidence of nesting in other words the eggs were just laid it was certainly in a, a fleeing type situation then buried rapidly. Uh, to be uh, preserved because, you know, like most eggs, uh, dinosaur eggs would be uh, porous and so forth and would deteriorate quickly. But often with these eggs, they're found um, where um, yeah, they've been able to identify the little embryo. And I guess there were uh, cases, of course, earlier on where just in the early stage of the flood, the nests were buried. But on these trackways, they the eggs are laid on, on just flat surfaces. So there's a lot of uh, evidence from the from the dinosaurs and these huge beds um, with, as I said, with large uh, trackways, uh, the animals running in straight lines all in the same direction, um, buried rapidly to preserve them. And um, it's another interesting thing is that there are very few babies or young ju- uh, juveniles in the bone beds. And, um, and so these are, of course, these are the areas where we find a huge, I'm talking about the, in this particular situation, not the random case where um, animals were uh, caught in the early stage of the flood, but in the later stages of the flood where animals were fleeing uh, the the floodwaters, um, then um, the um, uh, that's mainly older juveniles and adults. So they don't find many babies or young juveniles in these huge clusters of animals that they find. Um, it's fascinating too with the uh, preponderance of one species, for example, when the, in some of these um, areas. So it's sort of like um, the you know, huge herd effect has run off to escape the, the waters. They've stayed together as a herd instinctively for some protection and, and so forth. 
And I think, um, again, one of the, the things that we can see from the way the dinosaurs have been buried in the large uh, groups, the, the trackways that have been preserved, um, the evidence of eggs laid just on flat, open ground um, in places, gives evidence of the floodwaters rising and falling uh, due to you know, obviously levels rising up, maybe trap water suddenly breaking out of a dammed, sort of naturally dammed area and releasing over an area. So it was a huge catastrophic event with a lot of um, activity going on. Um, you know, be volcanic activity, we understand as well. So the it's amazing, in my view anyway, how when we look at the, uh, the evidence that we find in the geological record, particularly for these animals and particularly for the la- large dinosaurs, um, there's um, you know, powerful evidence of this catastrophic event. Um, when the, the trackways are found, they're usually found on flat bedding planes and one of the authors was saying, if you look at it in normal habitat, there would have been slopes for them to go up and down. But it makes sense that if the tracks were made on freshly deposited flood sediment, it would always be flat. And um, uh, most of the uh, trackways are in marine sediments. Um, and there was also an interesting uh, find in the... Um, case of the uh, Wyoming uh, deposit in the Bighorn Basin there, that um, tracks were found in the same spot and then there were layers in between and then there were other tracks of the same type of dinosaur found on top going the same way and yet there were supposed to be millions of years, several million years um, in the gap in between, um, the um, and so you know one of the arguments is what are the odds that three million years later the same dinosaur type will once more make tracks in the very same area, <laughs> and it's pointed out this is a huge problem for secular deep time geology. Um, yet it makes sense in terms of the. Uh, the flood model where you'd have briefly exposed flood sediments and then they'd be covered by water again uh, because there would have been numerous falls and rises in the level of flood waters during the ongoing rise of the flood waters in the in in under tree stage um, and so uh, again we have these classic examples there uh, you know well that's a classic example of how the, this whole deep time geology just doesn't stand up to the evidence um, that we see um, around. So again, as the animals find some uh, raised area of, um, of land, uh, they lay their eggs, uh, but again, they're, they're covered quite, quite quickly again as these eggs are rising and falling over a short period of time of days, perhaps a week or so. And so um, the flood model fits amazingly well. 
the global flood model because we find these remains all over the world. We find, you know, fossils of dinosaurs, big creatures buried all over the world. And, um, yeah, it, it fits the, the flood model as well. Uh, one of the other aspects is why don't we find dinosaurs today? And this is uh, quite an interesting challenge that um, perhaps there's, to my knowledge, no real known um, explanation for this. Uh, in my view, of course, I, I think that uh, dinosaurs or some, some of the low giant, perhaps uh, particularly marine reptiles, not necessarily dinosaurs, certainly survived until recent times. So I note that in many of the uh, old uh, sea maps that are recorded, they have not only pictures of whales and dolphins, but sea serpents, which are sort of like the um, heads of uh, plesiosaurs. Um, and, of course, we find quite a few of those, well, a lot of those are being found now um, in, a, in Australia where there was a vast inland sea uh, for a while and it seems quite shallow water. They're quite close to the, the surface there, the, the remains that are, that are being uh, dug up. And also, um, you know, accounts like the, the Loch Ness Monster, the slaying of dragons like St George and so forth. There are so many stories of, of these large creatures um, in, in the past that probably, you know, obviously would have died out or been killed out in, in, in some way. But there seems evidence that some of these large creatures certainly did survive for quite some time after the flood. You know, the Chinese dragon legends and, and so forth and dragon depictions uh, all seem to point that these creatures certainly survived, uh, some of them, uh, for quite a while after the flood. But why... You know, why did the dinosaurs in particular become extinct? Why aren't there more? Why don't we find uh, some around? Well, it, it certainly is a, is a challenge. Um, and it, it's fascinating because, you know, the dinosaurs uh, as a group of animals uh, were certainly an amazing shape and form. Uh, there are some, and that's like uh, I think why they gar- uh, you know, attract the attention of, of children uh, in, in particular, they seem such interesting animals. But uh, it's amazing when we look at why we don't have dinosaurs, there are possibly over 100 theories for why dinosaurs went extinct. Um, some of these include the idea that dinosaurs died out due to carbon dioxide accumulation, vol- volcanic eruptions, or global warming, or global cool cooling or epidemics um, or uh, from predation by egg-eating mammals. You know, some, there's even ideas about they ate uh, narcotic-type plants. Uh, according to one uh, article recently that I read, there was a good article on this um, um, in the, the, it's in a book called Titans of the Earth and Sea um, that um, was uh, published that um, yeah, referred to um, yeah, some of these theories. Um, and, of course, was it an asteroid? Um, one of the popular theories, of course, is that uh, an asteroid is supposed to have called the uh, 
Chicxulub crater in the uh, Yatacan, um, uh, in the Yucatan Peninsula in, in Mexico, and um, supposed to be, of course, either a stony asteroid or a, a comet, but um, it was uh, would have been a, a, a huge uh, impact. Um, uh, some of the calculations put as equivalent to over six million of the largest hydrogen bombs that have been built, um, and it would have thrown in this theory. The idea is that uh, through a huge uh, mass of pulverised rock into the stratosphere resulting in dust blocking out the sun, causing a global cooling effect that wiped out 50% of all life. Uh, so it's sort of like a, a nuclear winter type uh, scenario. Of course, one of the main supports for this idea comes from the thin iridium layer that um, uh, exhibit characteristic consistent with uh, a meteorite strike and probably see um, this uh, sort of theory presented when you go to museums um, and uh, pictures of photograph of rock layers with the thin iridium layer. And these thin layers are found in rocks, of course, all around the world, um, known as the KT boundary. Um, and that's a supposed time of extinction of um, the dinosaurs, according to you know this long age evolutionary theory. But um, it's actually not well defined as you know it's made out the iridium layer, um, um, and there are a lot of um, the boundary, um, the KT boundary anomalies. And, and it's got to the extreme where they say, well, uh, any rock layer with dinosaur remains or tracks proves that it's below the boundary. Um, of course, you know, there were possibly meteorites at the time of the flood. That's uh, not um, a, a problem. But um, the, this theory faces a lot of problems, really. Um, for example, if an asteroid did hit the Earth and led to a nuclear winter, how did all the plants that rely on sunlight, photosynthesis-dependent plants, survive? Um, and uh, an author of uh, well, one article published in um, uh, Creation uh, 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 magazine in 2023, volume 45, Number four, pages um, 46, 47, 48. He um, argues, why did delicate bees and moths and sensitive amphibians such as frogs and salamanders survive under these conditions? You know, if toxic um, gases filled the earth after the extinction event, such as with uh, the volcanic or carbon dioxide theories of extinction, then why did the birds survive? Because... You know, birds have a, a particularly sensitive um, um, breathing system um, and far more sensitive to toxic gases and, and hence the, the use of canaries in coal mines as warning of, of the air quality dropping. And, of course, if the impact produced all this uh, dust cloud and so forth that 
blocked out the sun, how did um, the creatures that require daily sunlight you know, survive? We've seen uh, other massive volcanic eruptions such as Krakatoa that, that actually caused global cooling but didn't cause mass extinctions. So, um, and, and also the evolutionary dates don't uh, match up. Um, one of the authors points out uh, that the whole suborder of Stegosaurus was um, uh, said to be extinct um, long before um, this other extinction event. Um, it's interesting, of course, too, that um, in 2023 there were some uh, studies done looking at and um, trying to estimate the uh, air temperature, or the temperature of the Earth, uh, the mean annual air temperature around the uh, Cretaceous period. That's when all the limestone was, was formed. The evidence there shows that any cooling was quite mild and, and gradual. Uh, but it's interesting that the average, uh, mean average uh, air temperature then uh, during the Cretaceous was about 25 degrees, whereas, uh, and it cooled to about 20. When we look at the, um, all these scenarios, again, the ones that, uh, the nuclear night type scenarios that would, um, they, they, they would have killed lots of other creatures other than just the, um, um, Dinosaurs and, and creatures that are alive today and, and surviving quite well. Um, of course, one of the reasons that the dinosaurs died out after was died out after the flood, rather than being wiped out by these extinction events, is is um, human hunting. Um, and I think this is the most reasonable. You know, when you think about it um, now, um, humans have the ability to eliminate. You know big animals that are a threat uh, very, very well uh, we're, due to the intelligence, the ability to develop weapons, spears, use fire and so forth. And, um, of course, we know lots of animals around the world have uh, become extinct. Um, one, of the artic- uh, one of the examples mentioned by this uh, um, author was that in Singapore um, there were so many uh, tigers on the island that just about every day um, uh, someone was killed by a tiger. So um, early last century, rewards were offered for every tiger killed. And by 1930, every tiger on the island had been killed. So um, this is, you know, and we, we think about, you know, we don't no longer have bears and Lions and this sort of thing roaming around in England or the Middle East, these these sort of places, and so um, and even you know the largest creatures like whales, the giant whales, were just about hunted to extinction almost by by humans. So another example, of course, is that there could have been um, competition for the dinosaurs. And remember, even the big dinosaurs have to start off as little <laughs> dinosaurs. Um, there was a, um, a paper uh, published um, uh, in the Smithsonian Mag um, in 2019 
did great white sharks drive uh, in the Megalodeon to extinction? And, of course, this was the uh, uh, Megalodeon was a giant shark. And I was, why are those extinct? And uh, this particular paper published in the Smithsonian um, argues that um, was uh, the megalodons, megalodons' usual prey were small whales, and as these were dwindling, the adult great white sharks outcompeted the juvenile uh, megalodons. So, and of course, another reason could be inbreeding. So, after the flood, if um, there aren't, uh, if the population doesn't spread out enough, uh, if there's too much inbreeding, then it can lead to um, the uh, demise of um, of, uh, of a species due to just genetic defects being uh, passed on. Of course, the biblical flood model beautifully explains the extinction of the dinosaurs. They would have been wiped out during Noah's flood. Two of each of the major types of uh, dinosaurs would have been um, uh, brought onto the ark by God miraculously. He brought the animals there. And they were probably juvenile so that they didn't eat too much. Um, that um, And after the flood, they would have been released and, of course, bred and, and spread out. And this then, of course, after the flood, as they bred up a bit, um, and of course humans spread up, there would have been you know different competition. And I think also this explains probably now why we don't um, find the dinosaurs today. There would have been competitions from uh, any of the bigger ones that evolved from human hunting, and there would have been competition from from other animals um, and, and mammals and so forth at that, that time. But obviously it seems from the dragon legends, as I mentioned earlier, that some um, did survive into recent historic um, times. And so again, the whole scenario f- uh, fits, again, the, the recent global flood too, only thousands of years ago and not millions ago, years ago, as secularists would have it. So overall, the big picture that we have from the fossil evidence and the historical evidence is that we have powerful, very strong, consistent evidence for the biblical flood described in the Bible. And, of course, the Bible is the account of how the Creator God uh, once again to once again have a relationship with us. Remember, you've been listening to Faith and Science, and if you want to re-listen to this program or send a link to friends, just Google 3abnaustralia.org.au, uh, click on the radio button, and then on the listen button, and you'll find these programs. And do remember to... Uh, put uh, the links up to the interesting programs uh, on your social media pages so other people can learn about this important information. I'm Dr John Ashton. Have a great day.
You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.